Okay, good morning. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today, I'm very pleased and honored to have with me as my guest, Seth Zachary, who's the chairman of Paul Hastings. Seth, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here, Richard. So, Seth, let me start by asking you uh, what possessed you or what made you decide to become a lawyer in the first place? What made me uh, decide to become a lawyer in the first place was reactive to my first choice of career, which was architecture. I uh, went to school to become an architect, which I um, had a great passion for until I actually had to study it. And all those projects that seemed um, extraordinarily exciting to me in my leisure became painful when I had to study it. And I realized that I was probably a little bit better with words than I was uh, with drawings, that um, the exactitude of those drawings took the joy out of it and began to focus on a career that dealt with words and ideas rather than uh, pen strokes and concepts. Um, I was open to going with, to law school because I thought of it as extremely flexible and wise after um, a liberal arts education. Uh, it was in law school and some strange twists and turns in law school that made me persuaded that I wanted to be a lawyer and wanted to represent clients from the outside. Hmm. Well, given that you were studying architecture, did you like law school right from the beginning or did it take a little bit of an adjustment? Uh, I didn't like law school from the beginning. I, <laughs> I, uh, I thought of it as um, teaching me a lot of things that um, I wasn't going to need. I thought of it as internally competitive and ponderous. So in the beginning, I didn't like it at all. But as I began to um, move further past my, my first year and began to pick classes that began to introduce me to how capital moves, how government works, how institutions can affect business choices, how businesses can achieve their goals, I began not to like it, and I began to love it. Hmm. Well, I know architecture sounds very different, but did you think there was any overlap between the two disciplines? I didn't, actually. And it, it was probably, as, a, as I said earlier, it was probably a reaction to how uh, disappointed I was in, 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 in losing my passion for architecture mm. that caused me to go to law school simply because it was so different. Mm. My, my world in architecture was so precise and so narrow, and I thought that law school would open up a much broader avenue of possibilities to me. I didn't see the similarities. I, I really reacted to the differences. Mm. Well, tell me then, how did you end up going to become a tax lawyer? Simply, uh, simply because in my second year of law school, I took federal income tax. I have no mathematical or accounting background at all. You now are aware of that being much more of an architect in theory mm. than a mathematician. Mm. But like lots of people, I was influenced by a professor who captured my imagination and took a subject that I, I signed up for reluctantly and made it absolutely fascinating to me. Mm. He, he proved to me that tax is a puzzle, uh, tax is a brain teaser, tax is creative, 
and tax is special. And I, I loved him. And as a result, I got intrigued by the idea of being a tax lawyer. Well, tell me, what kind of practice did you have as a tax lawyer when you first got out of law school? When I first got out of law school, I, I worked um, uh, under, the, under the, the leadership of a guy named Bob Casey, who was a, a brilliant tax lawyer. And his, um, his practice was bifurcated between New York and the transactional aspect of tax law and Washington and the legislative aspect of tax law. I was more on the New York side. We worked essentially for two very leading clients, one very large oil company that had global uh, interests and the largest um, and most profitable American railroad. Those were our two clients. And I got to see the relationship between transactions and capital raising and government. And um, I had the good fortune of doing a very wide range of uh, analysis and execution on the tax side for only two large clients. Uh, what, what made that so valuable to me was I got the breadth of experience at a very high level and a very young age, and I got to recognize that a client seeing you as understanding their business was a tremendous value add. And because I got to know the business of these two clients so well, I, I was able to progress, I think, more quickly. Mm. Well, t has your practice or did your practice kind of evolve or did it sort of stay in that? Is that sort of what you did throughout your entire career? Uh, no, it, it, it evolved in the sense that um, uh, that the, 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 it, the fellow who I, I was working primarily for began to uh, retire and his life changed and his practice gravitated much more to a purely legislative one in the uh, Al Ullman, uh, Dan Rostenkowski era on uh, the Ways and Means Committee. And my practice began to gravitate to being a more traditional New York transactional practice. Mm -hmm. So while my relationship with those clients um, continued for many years, I began to see myself and my possibilities of developing different kinds of clients in the real estate industry, in the broadcasting industry, mm. and uh, use the skills that I had and the confidence that I gained to broaden my practice. Mm. Now, I've, obviously, having been a practicing lawyer myself, I know tax is sort of a specialized area. Is one of the things you like about it the fact that you know it is specialized and most lawyers have no idea what it is about and you're sort of the specialist? <laughs> well, not, well, I, I, I never thought of it that way, Richard. Um, what I like about it is, is that um, so much of being an uh, excellent tax lawyer involves adding value and not necessarily documentation, that I felt that it wasn't the um, opaqueness to the rest of the world of tax analysis. It was the ability to synthesize it to clients and to colleagues in other disciplines and move a transaction forward in a way that was tangible. Mm. And um, I found it, you know, unlike the, the stereotype, which I think is unfortunate, about uh, tax lawyers taking a back seat either in business generation or in client stick, I found it uh, very natural for the opposite. I found it very natural to be able to sell to clients and to uh, pull up on the side of my corporate colleagues, not behind them in transactions. Mm -hmm. 
Now, tell me how you went from being a tax lawyer to running a, the chairman of one of the largest firms. I'm sure that I presume that was not a lifelong goal of yours. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> what happened was I, um, I I was the chair of our tax practice in the firm, which which is uh, a job that I really loved. And then because of a retirement, the chair of our New York office retired. And I was asked to leave the office. That was a uh, in a period of uh, it was about twenty years ago, and, and that was a period of tr- very dynamic growth and improvement and profitability of our presence in New York. Uh, after a few years, um, our chairman, our then chairman, was contemplating um, retirement and contemplating uh, pursuing other goals. And he asked me to join his team as one of the two managing partners in the firm. Uh, and uh, as a result, I had to give up two things. I had to give up being the mayor of New York, the chair <laughs> of our office, and I had to give up being the head of a tax practice simply because when you, in, in our firm, when you're a managing partner or the chairman, you have no other constituency but the firm itself. So I did that. And, and lo, uh, two or three years after that, um, Steve retired, and um, I ran for uh, chairman of the firm. Hmm. And that was, uh, I think, 17 years ago, and have been doing it since. It was not a goal at all. <laughs> it was a series of, as you now see, uh, and I won't use the word fortunate or unfortunate, I would say external events that, that uh, presented the opportunity. Well, I know they're very different, but how do you compare, you know, being the chairman of a firm and, you know, being a practicing lawyer? I think I think they're different. Um, there are obviously similarities. They both require analytical skills. They both require communication skills. But the job of a chairman of a law firm, and they both have as a large part of their focus client relationship skills. But a large part of what a chairman of the law firm does is try to create an environment and a dynamic that helps people around the world succeed on that journey of building the practice and becoming more able and effective at delivering value to clients, as opposed to taking that or internally and doing it. There's a tremendous overlap in the toolbox and in the skills, but it's quite different. I think when you're the chairman of a law firm, your primary effectiveness is being catalytic to other people mm. uh, and have them be catalytic to clients. So mm. there's a difference in that. Of all the things you have to do as chairman, what do you enjoy the most? What, what, what gets you up in the morning? Uh, what I enjoy the most is, um, is strategizing about how to move our firm forward not just in the rankings, but in the rankings as a manifestation of growing and building a more and more elite practice in the world of the future, because obviously the world is is changing so quickly. That excitement and the excitement of trying to execute on that strategy broadly and specifically and seeing the tangible rewards of that as our firms progressed, that's the part I like the best. Is it a fun job? Yes, tremendously fun job. <laughs> well, are you surprised? It's a fantastic how, job. <laughs> are you surprised how much you actually enjoyed it, or maybe maybe no, you, no, 
Uh, I don't know that it fits me or not. That's in the eye. You have to. You have to uh, ask our partners how, whether it fits me or not. But <laughs> I. I um, am I surprised by how much I enjoy it? You know. Um, yes and no. I'm surprised because uh, after doing this job as as long as as intensely as, as I have, that that I still find it remarkable, and I still find the challenges urgent, and I still find the successes incredibly joyful and rewarding. Um, that may be a little bit, but but no. When when I committed to doing the job, I knew that if if I felt that I could, in some way, contribute more. Uh, primarily to the firm's success that, that I'd enjoy it. And, and I have. Mm. Well, I, it sounds like you also very much enjoyed being a tax lawyer. Do you miss the practice at all? Tremendously. And oh, um, uh, I have had a very, very long, slow uh, weaning myself from the practice. <laughs> but um, I must confess, Richard, even though our partnership agreement requires um, no other focus than the firm as a whole, I have a... Uh, still have a special simpatico and interest in the tax side of things. Well, Seth, I know you're a very young man. What do you plan to do uh, when you step down from being chairman? Will you go back to practicing? Will you teach? What what thoughts do you have about that? Uh, I haven't got any specific plans. Uh, I might uh, I might do both. I might I might do other things. I might commit myself a little more fully to some of the organizations that I, that I care most about. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, it's three and a half years away, and, and, and during these three and a half years, I'll commit myself to, to Paul Hastings uh, as chairman and uh, already have tons of opportunities to consider after that. Well, Seth, this has been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. If and when you decide to do something else, you'll have to come back and tell me about it. I will for sure, and uh, thanks a million. It was a pleasure for me. This is Richard Shu and Seth Zachary. Thanks.